May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Please be seated. It always amazes me how our liturgy stands the test of time. By that I mean our liturgy and the cycle, which remains the same for our entire lives, and the propers, meaning the lessons that we read and the church year that we follow, always seems pertinent and appropriate. Without a doubt, the uniqueness of a, of a traditional and liturgical church is that the liturgy and the way the church body worships together is the basis of our spiritual formation. You see, spiritual formation is not simply a matter of what I'm reading on my own in my Bible in the privacy of my home, or even in a group Bible study. Spiritual formation is not simply a matter of my prayer life and lifting up whatever is burdening me at the moment or what I'm thankful for. And spiritual formation is not just the great, or sometimes not so great, sermons delivered by the pastor on any given Sunday morning. I mean, those are certainly a part of our spiritual lives and walk with God, and they're all important But our spiritual formation is really rooted in the corporate worship of the church. And a part of that is the journey and the teachings and the exhortations of the lessons and the collect prayers that are put before us. The church keeps us centered on specific things at specific times. Anticipating, if you will, with foreknowledge what we need to hear. And when we need to hear it, it helps shape the spirit of our understanding. And I said that I'm amazed at how it stands the test of time because it's not new and modern, but rather historical and ancient. And yet it is still applicable now, as applicable now, as it was then. I was reading someone else's sermon When I was preparing for today and in that preparation, he said that all of the lessons and the prayers from Advent, save a couple of verses attached to a couple of lessons, have been the same for 1,500 years. That means that Christians from the end of the early church, Christians living in that time that we call the Dark Ages, Christians living in the medieval times, even those wearing armor and wielding swords, Christians living in the Renaissance times, Christians living in the early years of the revolution, Christians living in the past century, and Christians today, if they use the historical or historic liturgical cycle and calendar, have been hearing the same thing year after year after year. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And what's more amazing is that the message which is preached is pertinent to every age. Although appointed some 1,500 years ago, they speak just as loud and clear now as they did then. And the reason for this is not because they focus on, or is because they don't focus on circumstances and cultures, but because they focus on basic Christian principles and scriptural truths. And those principles and truths are universal. And timeless. Today, on the fourth and final Sunday in Advent, we are bidden by St. Paul to rejoice. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. 
In terms of Advent, this passage comes to us right before the the celebration of Christ's birth. The fulfillment of all the Advent anticipation is about to happen. Today, we sit on the verge or on the edge of realizing anew everything that we have been waiting for. Starting after church, we'll finally decorate the sanctuary. And there's going to be a stark difference from today and tomorrow. All Advent long, our hymns are about expectation and the coming of Christ and of his kingdom. But tomorrow, our night will be filled with carols aplenty. Starting tomorrow night, at least in the way that we celebrated on Christmas Eve, that 12-day Christmas feast will finally be here. And the church, on this final week, on the fourth and the last Sunday of Advent, leaves us with this thought. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Twice, St. Paul says it. We sang it twice in each verse of that hymn we just sang, Rejoice, Rejoice, Emmanuel. We'll sing it twice in the opening words of our final hymn today, Rejoice, Rejoice, Believers. And based on my introduction, the fourth Sunday in Advent has been screaming to all those in the church for at least 1,500 years that word, Rejoice. And the church is still screaming it at us, at you and me today, Rejoice, Emmanuel, God with us. And friends, we need to hear that. Certainly as we enter into tomorrow's celebration with Christmas, but most especially as we live each and every day in anticipation of our Savior's coming again. Rejoice, Emmanuel, God himself is with us. And I'm not going to preach a long time on this today because I don't think I really need to. I think the message is clear enough in and of itself. And I think a brief meditation really is enough to complement this exhortation of the church. Tomorrow evening, we will celebrate our Savior's birth with our Christmas Eve service. As we dress up, as we come in the evening, as many sit a little closer in the pew with their loved ones on that night, and as we sing many of our favorite Christmas carols, as we light our candles and sweetly sing Silent Night at the end, our hearts will be filled with sentimentality and calmness and peace. And our hearts are going to be filled with joy. But what we must remember is that the true joy we have isn't simply because of our sentimentality or because of our family time and our family traditions. The joy of which this fourth Sunday of Advent speaks comes from the realization of who that one in the manger is and what that incarnation means. It's a joy that comes from John the Baptist's declaration in our gospel that the one greater than he has come. And that joy is then continually filled by our eternal relationship with Jesus and his presence in our life. It's that joy that sustains us, even as we face all the various frustrations and stresses in life. It's that joy that overcomes the heartaches that so many people face. And it's that joy that no man and no circumstance can take from us. It's the joy that the Lord has come. Emmanuel, God with us. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.